All right, well, I want to look into the camera today and say a big hello to all of those that are watching online today. Come on, Hardland family, help me welcome them to church. Oh, come on, you can do better than that. Help me welcome them to church today. We love you guys. Some of you right now are at home watching the Cowboys and the Jaguars. The holy righteous people are here in church today. So, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we love you. Whatever it is that you've got going on, I wish that you're here with us. And I want to take just a second and th- tell you, this is actually the last Sunday officially that we will gather uh, in 2022. Isn't that crazy? So let me tell you our Christmas schedule in case you don't know. Uh, this coming Friday and Saturday are our Christmas Eve services, Friday night at 7 p.m. or Saturday on Christmas Eve at 2 or 4 p.m. We try to do our services early in the day so that you can go about your family activities and festivities. And we've got a really great service plan. I actually really love our Christmas Eve service. It's one of my favorite services that we do all year with the candle lighting and a very short message and the music and some fun stuff for kids. But one of my favorite things, it's a tradition around here, is we bring in a grand piano and Pastor Dan Dean, uh, come on, always plays a little bit at Christmas. And uh, just puts me in all the fields, uh, and uh, he does such a great job, and I'm so excited. Uh, and tell him, because he always gives us the hardest time. Oh, let's. So just tell him it's my favorite part of Christmas, and if you don't do it, I'm never coming back. Just tell him that, okay? So he feels the pressure every single time. <laughs> and uh, I, it's just a great service. So invite somebody to church, and uh, of course we've got our Christmas buffet of cookies out there, and. All sorts of fun stuff before and after the services. And uh, our 2 p.m. will be the biggest. So if you want to come to the 4 or come on Friday night and save a seat for somebody else, that's totally fine uh, as well, whatever you'd like to do there. All right, today is, uh, oh, and then on Christmas Day, no services. Uh, we're, so we'll do them Friday and Saturday. And then I always like to give one uh, Sunday as a Sabbath Sunday to our all of our dream teamers to kind of let them rest. Well, normally that's between Christmas and New Year's. However, the way the year falls this year, it's on New Year's Day. And so we just made the decision we're doing an online service. Now, I've already actually filmed this message. Uh, I think it'll really help you as you go into the new year. And this past week, we just filmed a, a live recording of four brand new original songs that we're launching publicly uh, for the first time that will be shown on New Year's Day. And it was amazing. Uh, And Devin and our team have done such an amazing job with this. So I want you to watch. It's not an excuse for you to just watch football and not watch church, okay? So I want you to be a part of church that day. I think it'll help you. And it's only about 45 minutes of your day. But take a little time. Get around the computer or the TV. And then we'll jump back in to first Wednesday on on January 4th. And then I'm starting a brand new series if you've missed me, <laughs> you're about to hear a lot of me, okay? So January, February, I'm starting a brand new series called uh, Build and Fight that I think will really, really minister to you to start the year, and I can't wait for it, all right? Okay, so I want to introduce uh, our guest today. I usually like to have somebody else speak the week before we do all of our Christmas services because it's a busy week for us, and uh, I-, I asked one of my greatest friends in the world to come. And I want to tell you about Clayton uh, for just a second. Clay uh, lives in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, We met many years ago, and we just have a lot in common. He's a PK. I'm a PK. He loves golf. I love golf. 
he's good looking, I'm good looking, you know, like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. And uh, there's just uh, a lot of similarities uh, between us, and we've become great friends over the years. And Clay is actually getting ready to launch uh, his own church. Uh, he's getting ready to plant in 2023 in Jacksonville. He has worked at some of the greatest churches in America and has honestly traveled uh, all over the world preaching God's Word. He's a, he's a great communicator, and uh, I love him a lot, and I asked him to come. He's not a stranger. He's been at Reveal Conference a few times for our teenagers, uh, but this is the first time that he's spoken on a Sunday here. And I want you to get behind him today. Will you, you, whenever you come into a new place, I'm just going to tell you from experience, whenever you go into a new church where no one knows you and you preach, it's very intimidating because people just stare at you because you're not their pastor. Uh, but would you get behind him today? Uh, I really do think this word is going to help somebody in this room today. And uh, so stand on your feet as we honor up and honor down and honor all around. Give it up for Pastor Clayton Baird as he comes today. Thank you. You're very kind. You could be seated. Thank you so much. It's a great privilege uh, to be with you guys. Bring greetings from the Sunshine State. Uh, we live in Jacksonville, Florida, Northeast Florida. And yes, your Cowboys are playing our Jaguars today. And, uh, but we're in God's house. We're not here to talk about that. And because uh, I have a feeling we might lose. So, uh, but uh, it's going to be a great day. We had a great first service. And uh, as Pastor Dusty said, I am, I grew up in uh, a church. I'm a PK, pastor's kid. Uh, my parents were local church pastors in South Carolina uh, my entire life. I'm a third generation Pentecostal preacher, so there is, uh, if you want to talk back today, that's just going to be all right with me. And uh, there's nothing you can say I hadn't heard before. And uh, the better you respond, I preach better and faster. So either way, you win. So... Uh, so uh, we're going to have a good time in church today. First service was awesome, and uh, I'm just so blessed. Uh, even when I've been here in the past for Reveal Conference, the worship in this house just really blesses me. Right, can we just thank everyone, all just the team? Uh, some of you have been in church long enough to know when people are talented and then when people are anointed, and, and there's a difference, and there's an anointing on this house in regards to worship and I grew up, uh, like I said, in South Carolina, and I got to be honest, uh, I told my mom, my parents live in Florida with us now, that's kind of what happens when grandkids come into the picture, parents just move wherever you are, and uh, so they live in Florida with us now, but told my mom that I was going to be uh, preaching today at Pastor Dean's church, because we grew up on Phillips, Craig, and Dean, and so uh, my mom, she was like, Clay, you've made it, you have and I said, I know, I'm, I have arrived. And so uh, that's how we feel because we just love the Dean family so much. And uh, just Pastor Dusty, Kendra, Dan, Becky, just everybody. Can we just thank God for the legacy that's represented here in this house? Um, Pastor Dan, I was singing your songs when I was just in elementary school, man. You were, uh, the Deans were a blessing to the Bairds before you even knew us. And uh, we just love you guys so much. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 1 is where we're going to get in just a second, Matthew chapter 1. I love, I love Sundays. I don't know about you, uh, you know, grew up in church, and uh, sometimes when you grow up in church, I know other uh, pastors, kids, daughters, sons who grew up in church, and at times they can uh, have a disdain towards church. That was never me. I, I loved growing up in church, but if you're ever curious or if you ever stop to consider or remember why we gather together, obviously Jesus asked us that we would gather together, that we would not forsake 
assembling uh, together with one another as believers. But if you really want to know why we're in church, I, I like to share this with our people in Florida. Look no further than Isaiah chapter 40 in verse 8 when we're reminded that the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the Word, the Word will remain and endure forever. Why we gather on a Sunday like this and we open up scripture and Pastor Dusty teaches probably the primary, you know, most of the year. Pastor Dan might teach and other people. And, and the reason we open up the word is because there is nothing better that you can build your life upon than the principles and precepts that are in God's word. Scripture would say it is a sure foundation, right? He, Jesus, his word is a solid rock. And so that's why we gather together because we know the word makes us better. And we don't just read the word, the word reads us. We have the opportunity to, to leave even better than we came in, and I believe that's going to be the case. Matthew chapter 1, thought this would be fitting as we are getting ready. Uh, we're in the Christmas season already, but as we get towards uh, Christmas Eve, I wanted to read some of this passage at the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew. Starting verse 18, it says this, and This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Now, pause right there. If you're the kind of person that likes to underline in your Bible, you like to write things down, I want you to underline or highlight the next four words. He had in mind, Joseph did, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord said through the prophet. And the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Verse 24, and when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took Mary home as, as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. If you would, we're going to take a left in our Bible back to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. If you don't have time to turn there, it's all right. You can write it down and read it later. But if you grew up in church, this is a familiar, very familiar passage of Scripture. God is speaking through Isaiah, and this is what he says. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We're going to piece these together today. And if you're taking notes, I want to preach to you for the next several minutes on what I've entitled, What's in Store? What's in Store? So if you would, why don't we bow our heads, pray one last time. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word. We thank you that the Bible is not like any other book on our shelves at home. It is living, it is breathing, it is inspired, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. God, I pray today that we would not just be hearers only. Let us be doers of your word. God, let us see something that maybe we've never seen before. Uh, God, hear something that perhaps we've never considered before and that you would speak to us, that we would be changed. That opportunity always exists, Lord, when we come into your presence, the opportunity to leave different. We pray that would be the case this morning in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 As Pastor Dusty said, I grew up in church. I'm almost 38 years old. And, um, you know, growing up in a pastor's house, I, I loved church, as I already said. I remember, you know, revival-type services as a little kid falling asleep under pews uh, with late-night services and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, 
and I loved God's house, but thankfully, when you grow up in a church for that amount of time, you, you've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to church. Some of you are like, I didn't even know there was ugly. You stick around long enough, and uh, you see ugly. Uh, you've seen, seen it all, right? And, and I never had any disdain towards the things of ministry or anything like that, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Didn't want to go into ministry, didn't want to be vocational in that way. In fact, I took a basketball scholarship at a university in South Carolina, and a friend of mine, we, our, our plan was that we were going to go get all of our bachelor's stuff you know, out of the way, and then I was going to go to law school with my friend at the University of South Carolina. Uh, come on, go Gamecocks, that's, that's our household. And, uh, and that was my plan. I was going to be a lawyer, always knew that I enjoyed speaking, I enjoyed uh, pro- you know, being persuasive and, and talking, and I, I felt like that was a good avenue to do that. And so I wanted to go into law school. Never forget one night, in fre- I was a freshman in college. This is back in 2003. Came home after a basketball practice at university. And I was in my dorm room. My, my friend, my, my, my uh, roommate was not there. Uh, but he had left in the DVD player a worship DVD. We were both believers. He grew up in church as well. He left a worship DVD in the player. And so I kind of turned it on as I'm just getting cleaned up after basketball practice. And uh, at the end of the worship DVD, there was a promotional video that ran for a Bible college in Australia. And as I sat in a dorm room freshman year in Anderson, South Carolina... Uh, All I know to say is that the Holy Spirit showed up in that moment, and as I watched this DVD about a Bible college on the other side of the world, God spoke to me and said, Clay, this is what I have in store for you. That was not what I had planned. This came out of left field. I wasn't thinking about Bible college, especially Bible colleges on the other side of the world. I was going to go to law school. I have a plan. I I got my ducks in a row. This is what I'm doing. But boy, when the Holy Spirit spoke, it was so evident. It was so clear. I knew it was him. And he's saying, Clay, this is what I want you to do. So the next day I call my parents and I say, Mom and Dad, this is probably going to sound strange. But man, last night I felt like God was just speaking to me in my dorm room. He wants me to go to Bible college. And my parents are pastors, so they're like, praise the Lord. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. We have been praying for you. We've been interceding and fasting and praying. And and so they're so excited. Uh, And I'm like, well, you know, this Bible college is in Australia. And they're like, well, that sounds expensive. And it was. It was very expensive. And, uh, and so, but that's what I did. And so I went to Bible school, went to Bible college and seminary program over there for three years in Sydney, Australia, right? I had something in mind. God had something different, though, uh, in a plan that he had for me. I don't know about you. Have you ever had plans to do something in life, but as events in your life unfolded, things went very differently than you saw them going in your mind? It sounds like a lot of us have been there in that place before. Maybe it was a relationship. You look back at some relationships that you were involved in. You saw them going this way, but yet they went that way, right? Or maybe it was a job, a career, an opportunity of some kind. Sometimes uh, the plans change, right? Uh, And when that happens, it can be quite exasperating for many of us. But if I'm honest, stuff like that, change like that, it frustrates me a lot. It really does. Because I'm a planner, I don't know if anyone can resonate with this. I'm a planner. I'm a strategist. I'll say it like this. I'm not a go-with-the-flow kind of guy. It's not who I am. I don't, I don't like to go with the flow. I, I'm, a, I'm a let's make a plan and nobody touch it kind of guy. We go on vacation as a family. I tell my wife, I'm a planner. I plan the days out. I plan the travel out, everything we're going to do. And I say, babe, just don't mess with the plan. If we stick to the plan... We're going to have a nice vacation. Everything's going to be perfect. But how many of you know I'm married to go with the flow kind of girl? (laughs) 
Didn't marry a planner. I married a fly by the seat of her pants kind of girl. And it frustrates me. For I love her. Been married 16 years. Got two kids. I love her. But she's different than me, right? It can be very exasperating, right? Sometimes even the simplest deviations to the plan can be very frustrating. Case in point, this was a few months ago. I was working late at the office uh, one evening. I had missed lunch that day. I'm incredibly famished. I'm probably leaving the office. It's after 6 o'clock. I'm going home. It's a Monday. Now, many of you know, those of you who work full-time jobs, you know, Mondays, they're not great. It's just Monday. You know what I mean? You're still a long way away from the weekend. But but in my head, I'm thinking, well, at least I'll go home. Going to get something good to eat tonight. I'm excited about dinner because I'm so hungry. I'm thinking to myself, maybe it's going to be filet Monday. That'll be, oh, just a nice filet. That'll make a Monday better, right? Just a nice filet Monday. That's going to be, so I get home. I I park the car in the garage. I I, I open the door to the house. I can smell the aroma coming from the kitchen. Oh, I'm so hungry. I walk into the kitchen. Oh, babe. Oh, it smells amazing in here. I missed lunch today. I'm so excited. What are we having for dinner? She looks back at me, she says, oh, Clay, you're going to love it. Tonight is Meatless Monday. I said, say what? She said, yeah, it's Meatless Monday. I said, what in the name of our Lord is Meatless Monday? She said, oh, it's just, well, it's a whole dinner, but there's actually no meat in the dinner. It's just some vegetables and this and that. I said, girl, you better tell the truth, shame the devil. What are we having for dinner? Stop playing. Stop playing. Like, y'all, I grew up in South Carolina. If it wasn't beef, chicken, or pork, that's a snack. That ain't a meal. Matter of fact, if it wasn't deep fried, we really didn't count it either. Meatless Monday. Girl, you must be outside your mind. Meatless Monday. I had something in mind, but that was not what she had in store. I I had a plan. I had something that I saw ahead of me, but that was not what got delivered. Right? Right? Silly, silly illustration, but we've lived, a lot of us, long enough to know sometimes you see something going one way and it turns out to be completely different for you. You know, I thought about this. Matthew chapter 1, we just read it, illustrates this principle beautifully in the life of Joseph. The Bible says in verse 19, because Joseph is faithful to the law, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind. He had in mind to divorce Mary quietly. I want to ask you a question. You can write it down because it's going to be like the launching pad for the rest of the message today. So if you're a note taker, you can write this down. Here's the question. What happens when what you have in mind is not what God has in store? What happens when what you have in mind is not what God has in store. What happens when what you have set out in your mind to do does not line up with what God actually has in store for you? It reminded me of Proverbs 19 and 21 when it says this, many are the plans where? In the mind of a man. Oh, oh, men men and women, oh, we got loads of plans in our minds. But it's the Lord who actually determines our steps. It's the Lord whose purposes prevail. Got a lot of plans, but oftentimes God has a different plan. I'll say it again. What happens when what you have in mind is not what God has in store? Matthew chapter 1 would show us very, very clearly. Joseph had something in mind, 
but it's not what God had in store. Joseph had a plan, but it wasn't God's plan. Joseph had a way selected, but it was not the way God determined. What happens when what you have in mind is not what God has in store? Now, I don't have too many years of life under my belt. I'm, I'll be 38 uh, soon. It's all, all the years I got, though. But I've lived long enough to know this, that there's a great difference between my plans and his plans. My ways and his ways. And even at almost 38, I've lived long enough to realize, boy, his plans and his ways, they always end up being better and greater and higher than mine. I I can look back at moments in life, right, hindsight, 2020. I look back and say, wow, Lord, what you had in store was actually a lot better than what I even had in mind. Man, had I gotten my way, it wouldn't be half as good as as the way your, your way prevailed in my life. Boy, it's just higher, it's better, it's it's greater, his ways and his plans. What he has in store is always better than what we have in mind. Isaiah 55, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. You think differently than me. You plan better than me. You're higher in every way. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 55 is extremely clear of two things. Number one, God, he has a different thought. You can write it down. He has a different thought. God thinks different than you and I. Praise God. He thinks different than us. Let's talk about the thoughts of God for just a second. Psalm 139 and 17, the writer says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. God's thoughts towards you and I are three things. Number one, they're precious. His thoughts towards you are precious. In other words, they're treasurable. They're valuable. They're priceless, the thoughts that he has. They are precious thoughts. Number two, they're numerous. His thoughts towards you, they're numerous. The Bible says that there's so many of them, they outnumber the grains of sand across the shores of the sea of the entire world. If you ever want to kill a weekend, I don't know where Dallas people go to the beach, but for me it's just like a quick drive, but whatever beach you like to go to, you want to kill a weekend, just go down to your favorite beach, just scoop up a handful of sand and try your best to count the grains. You, You couldn't, if you spent all day you couldn't count all the grains of sand that you just get in one handful much less all the grains across the entire world God is thinking about you numerous thoughts and then thirdly his thoughts towards you are constant in other words they're happening all the time all the time he's thinking about y'all say it like this there's someone who is thinking about you even more than you're thinking about you That's pretty impressive. Most of us, let's be honest, we think about ourselves a lot. I was talking with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and uh, he was making some decisions, and he was real worried about what other people were going to think about some of these decisions that he was making. It was really, really troubling him. Oh, I just, I don't want to make a bad decision, and people are going to think this, and then they're going to think that, and then finally I just stopped him. I said, listen, man, ain't nobody thinking about you, (laughs) because we're all too busy thinking about ourselves. So if you ever walk around life worried about what other people are going to think, just take the weight off. Nobody's thinking about you. Everybody's only thinking about themselves, right? Maybe, maybe that'll let us live a little freer when we go this week, right? Because honestly, truth be told, but, but frankly, there is someone 
a divine God in heaven who loves you, who's thinking about you even more than you're thinking about you. Precious thoughts, numerous thoughts, constant thoughts. But not only does God have a different thought, number two, he has a different way. We're going to focus in on this. He has a different way. His thoughts are not our thoughts, but his way is not our way. Follow me on this. I want this to connect. I wrote it down in my notes. There is a way that leads to the fulfillment of the thoughts that God is having about you, but it's not your way. I'll say it again. I want to like there is a way, like there exists a way that leads to the fulfillment of the thoughts that he is having about you, but that way, it ain't your way. It's his way. His way will get you to the fulfillment of his thoughts that he's having about you and your future. Truth be told, the Bible, oh, if you, got, if you brought a Bible in church, just hold, hold up your Bible. Who, who's got their Bible in God's house? Say, come on, I love seeing, a lot of, there's a lot of leather Bibles here, Dusty. There's just people raised on the old school. I like it, man. I like just genuine leather. All I'm saying is I'd like to see you cast a demon out with an iPad, okay? But, um, but we all got our leather Bibles, right? The Bible, truth be told, what, what is scripture? Well, it's many different things, obviously. But, but what it is, is it is a guide to showing us what is God's way. That's what scripture is. Helps us understand what is God's way. The Bible is not a guide and help to you getting your way. It's a book that helps you understand what is God's way. When a generation, frankly though, the one that we're living in, when a generation refuses to come in alignment and agreement with the fact that this book actually is authoritative, this book actually does get to decide things like what is right and what is wrong, speak to people like this, don't speak to people like that, treat people like this, don't treat people. When a generation gets away from, from understanding that this book has power and has authority, that's when we get all sorts of mess. Right? When, when we refuse to believe that this is actually God's way. This isn't just good recommendations. This is the way God desires us to live and navigate our lives. But somehow, some way, y'all, we have stumbled into a generation of believers. I'm not just talking about lost people. We've stumbled into a generation of believers that have somehow believed that it's possible to accept Christ without forsaking the world. That it is somehow possible to receive Jesus without following Jesus. Like, we all like Savior Jesus. Yes, please, come save me. I want to go to heaven. Would prefer not to go to hell. Come, come. We all like Savior Jesus, but we don't want him to be our Lord. Because lords get to tell you what to do. I don't mind him sending salvation my way, but I don't want him touching my day-to-day -to -day life. Because I kind of got some things. I, 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 and we approach Scripture, and, and, and oftentimes we get away from the truth of the matter is that it's God's way. And when you do life God's way, boy, there's a grace on that. There's a reward that comes. There's a protection there. There's a longevity that couples doing life God's way. He has a different thought. He has a different way. So I'll ask it again. What happens when what you have in mind is not what God has in store? What happens when your way does not align with his way? The secondary question there would be easy. Will you yield? Will you yield your way to come in alignment with his way? Will you align with him? Because I'm here to tell you, out of his way 
in our way, one of these two is higher and greater. And it ain't yours. And it's not mine. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Last week I was actually speaking with someone about the Bible. We were talking in a, in a study about its, uh, its authoritativeness, its power, its decisiveness, its purposefulness. And, um, and I had this thought growing up uh, as a child in the 90s, which I, I think, man, as a kid in the 90s, those were like the best days to be a kid. It was just awesome, man. It was just, you know, great movies and there were no devices and phones and we didn't have to worry about all that mess and, and just sleepovers, playing with the kids in the neighborhood. It was just great time to grow up. But, but there was a movement that was sweeping the church in the 90s and it really wasn't like an in-church movement. It was more like an after-church movement and it was this. It was called the Sunday. Sunday afternoon buffet. That's what it was. Um, it's not really as popular as it used to be, but back in the 90s, boy, it was like you went to church and then everyone's like, hurry, we've got to beat the Baptists to the buffet, right? <laughs> They're going to take all the food. or so, I don't know, right? It was just the running joke. Sunday afternoon buffet. I don't know where you grew up in the nation or if you've always been in Texas, but I just thought, let's go down memory road because these were some of the restaurants that we used to go to back in the 90s. I don't know if any of these you remember. Uh, there was a restaurant called Ryan's Steakhouse. Uh, boy, Ryan's Steakhouse. Come on, that was a good one. Um, there was a restaurant called Quincy's that had a buffet. Uh, Golden Corral, of course. They've been around a long time. There was a China buffet. Uh, I don't care where you live at in America. Everybody got a China buffet. <laughs> like, they're just everywhere. Uh, China Buffet. There was a, a place called Piccadilly. I don't know if you remember Piccadilly. Uh, yeah, man, kids used to just eat more Jello than they needed in a year. Uh, and, uh, and Shoney's, Sizzler, Hometown Buffet. Come on, some of you going down, you can smell it. Like you're not even there, but you can just smell the buffet right now, right? Oh, the buffets were awesome in the 90s. Why, why did everyone love the buffet? Here's why you loved it. Because you had the power to choose. You had the power to choose. You could have as much of whatever and as little of whatever else that you wanted. You could just have a plate full of mac and cheese if you wanted. It didn't even matter. You know, like if you didn't want any vegetables that day, you didn't have to have any vegetables. Just, just whatever you wanted. And then at the end of it, we'd all go eat more soft serve ice cream than any of us ever needed in our life. You had the power to choose. We all love a good buffet. Church, this book is not a buffet. It's not a buffet. When we treat it like a buffet, we get into trouble. It actually wasn't given to us so that we would skim through the pages of Scripture and take a little bit of this, but I'm going to leave that other bit off. Oh, I love it when God talks about me being blessed and favored. Put, put some of that on the plate. But this bit over here about me loving enemies and praying for people that persecute me, I'm going to leave that off the plate. Not really feeling that right now. I'd rather just sit in my bitterness and unforgiveness for a little while longer. Oh, but this bit over here about me giving and the Lord multiplying it back to me, put some of that on the plate. I will take. But, but when God tries to tell me what to do with my dating relationships and marriage and, and this and that, and Lord, that's kind of more of a gray area in my opinion. I don't really know if that's it. It's not a buffet that we pick and choose from. Either you apply God's way to your life and you get the rewards that come with it, or you can pick and choose whatever you want to do, but I will not promise you there's any bit of wholeness attached to that. His ways are not our ways. And the only way you can get to the fulfillment of the thoughts that he's having about you 
is to do life his way. His way is different. Praise God for his way. I look back in my own life, man, and I just, I see moments when I was so sure that I had the formula right, but yet God came in and thank the Lord he did and the Holy Spirit moved into a situation and he closed the door. And some of you have lived long enough to remember those moments when that door closed and boy, you went home and you were crying and you were stomping your feet and you were angry with God. But now you look back and you say, praise God for closed doors because boy, if I would have walked down that, it would have led to all sorts. And you see it now. I, I, whenever you're struggling to praise God, I always tell our church people this in Florida, thank God, here we are at the end of a year, praise God for everything that did not happen to you this year. Praise God for the doors that he closed. Praise God for the accident you didn't get into. Praise God for, for you don't even know that the boss was thinking of letting you go, but then he didn't let you go. Praise God for everything that did not. God has intervened on your behalf far more than you ever even realized. Because his way comes in. And his way and his path and his plan, it's better than anything we have on our own. I'm so thankful for his ways. Truth be told, much of the Bible is just God showing humanity that his way is different than ours. But I want to get practical for a second with the time we have left. You know, God has a way that he wants us to do certain things. It applies to almost every area of our life, man, every area. You can read this book and you can find how God wants you to do that area of life. I wrote some things down. Dating relationships. Those of you who aren't married, you're still in dating relationships. Open up this book, God shows you what his way is for those types of relationships. And, and, and how he wants you to go about them with purity. His way is in here. Marriage relationships. How do I do marriage God's way? It's in this book. And the respect and the love that he wants us to have for one another. And the sacrifice that we make for our spouse willing to lay our lives down. Forgiveness. How does God want me to do forgiveness? It's in this book. And the numerous amounts of times that he wants us to forgive one another. It's listed in here. Money. How do I handle my money? It's in here. God's way. In regards to tithing, giving, and generosity, and blessing others. Boy, boy, it's all in here. I was, I was reminding our church, even this past season, we were doing a, you know, talking about some legacy stuff. And, and people were giving over and above. And I was just reminding them once again. I said, listen, church, tithing is not generosity. Those are not the same thing. Well, why not? Because you cannot be generous with what you don't own. You, the, 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 the tithe, you were just holding that for a second. It wasn't even yours. And we return that to God. Anything over that can be generosity, but still money, boy, it's in here. God's way is in here. How we speak to one another. Being reminded that the power of life and death reside in your mouth. God's way of talking is in here. How we behave he, he shows us what his way is. And, and we behave in such a way that people actually can see your life, but yet glorify a father in heaven. How he wants us to behave. How he wants us to raise our kids is in this book. How he wants us to work. Steward our gifts. Multiply our gifts. It's in this book. How he wants us to worship. He even has a way that he wants us to rest. In taking a Sabbath. And calling it a holy day. Spending time with family, enjoying one another. And here's the thing, man. When we do life God's way, there is a blessing that's attached to it. There's a reward that's attached to it. There's a protection that's attached to it. There's a hedge 
that God puts around households and families that surrender their lives to his way. There is a longevity that happens to people who do life God's way. Imagine what he has in store for you when you'll just fully submit your life to his way. As the band gets ready to join me just with a few minutes that we have left, I want to make it personal. So based on that type of a list that I just gave you, let me ask you some personal questions. This is kind of like the homework part of the message. I can't do this part for you, but you're going to have to leave here today and ponder and really pray in on a couple of these things. You're going to have to answer it for yourself because I, I can't do this part for you. But let me just ask you some questions as you consider where you're currently at in your walk with the Lord. Have, have you been doing a few things God's way? Number one, have you been doing marriage God's way? Have you been doing marriage God's way? Have you been dating relationships? Have you been doing them God's way? Have you been giving, being generous God's way? Have you been forgiving others God's way? Listen, I'm here to tell you today, if your heart still has bitterness and resentment towards somebody, don't, don't drag that into a new year. Why don't you just go ahead and do it God's way before we close out this year? Because that bitterness and that resentment, it's only keeping you in prison. You think, you think you're keeping them in prison. They're, they're out there, they ain't even thinking about you anymore. They've moved on. And yet here you are still in a, in a prison of bitterness. Maybe you've heard it said before, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. And yet that's how so many Christians believe. That's how they, that's how they think, oh, I'm just, I'm just gonna, and they refuse to forgive. That's not God's way. That's not God's way. He who forgives much knows that, is reminded that he had much to be forgiven of. And he who forgives little thinks that they don't have much to be forgiven of. I'm here to tell you, we all had a debt that we couldn't pay. It was far more than you had in your bank account, what Jesus forgave you and I of. Who are we to then hold brothers and sisters in Christ in a prison of bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness? It immediately shows me you have forgotten what you've been forgiven of. No, 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 let's do it God's way. Let's do it God's way, forgiveness. Have you been doing Sabbath God's way? Resting, taking actual time to rest and just enjoy the Lord and be with the Lord. We got a problem with this in the United States of America. We really do have a problem with Sabbath. If you don't believe me, uh, just the next time you're just around town and you ask somebody how they're doing, this is how 90% of the people respond. Oh, just so busy. And we all wear busyness like it's some badge of honor. As if to say, if I'm not busy, then I'm not valuable. And we wear busy, and, oh, I'm, just, I'm so, oh, I'm working so much, so busy, and, and it's just, and, and, but yet God has a way he actually wants you to do rest. We idolize, in the West, we idolize busyness. We wear it like, look, look hey, Dusty, look how tired I am. Awesome. Like, no, it's actually not. You're unhealthy. God has a way he wants us to rest. Are you doing that God's way? Are you raising your family God's way? Are you speaking and communicating God's way? Here's one for you. You doing social media God's way? You on Facebook God's way? Or are you just jumping into the latest thread and throwing as many darts as you can about this and that? Come on, come on. We're, we, are, we are in this world, but we are not of it. We're different. We're different. He has a different way. Are you respecting authority God's way? You loving others God's way? You worshiping, stewarding resources? And I believe this, truth be told, as we're closing, um, 
The clearest and simplest illustration to understanding what is God's way, if you want to answer the question, what is God's way? Um, look no further than the person of Jesus. Like if there's anybody who embodies what is God's way, well, then it's certainly Jesus. I mean, as a matter of fact, it could be said Jesus equals God's way. Jesus equals God's way. So I went back to Matthew chapter 1. I'm reading, I'm studying, putting all this together, this message. And, uh, and I was really taking, I, I want to show you something. This is just kind of extra on the side. But, but, but while we're sitting here studying together in verse 19, so Joseph finds out Mary's pregnant. It's not his baby. They haven't been together yet. And, and, and so imagine the flood of emotions that Joseph is feeling in this moment. He's sad. He's hurt. Confused. Mary, I didn't think you were a person that did stuff like this. I mean, and, She's like, no, 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 it's God's baby, though. And he's like, I don't think God does stuff like this, Mary. Like, I don't think it just goes around getting people pregnant. I don't know, but, you know, like, I just, just sound, this, is a, this is a stretch, Mary. I don't, he's hurt, he's wounded, but watch what, even in all those emotions, look what your Bible says, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Feeling all that he felt, and yet he still didn't want to put her on blast. Fast forward to 2022 in the evangelical church in America. The second we get hurt and wounded, even by another brother and sister in Christ, what do most of us do? We run to the public square of our day, a.k.a. social media, to publicly shame and disgrace the person that hurt us. And yet Joseph shows us, no, there's a different way to navigate those types of emotions. And I know I'm not your pastor, but as a pastor, I'll just say this. If that's been your go-to in the past, stop. Stop. There, there must be things in the life of a believer that separate us from the world. And if we can't navigate hurt and wounds and difficult moments any better than the world can, man, that's a sad place for us to be. And even in all that Joseph was feeling, and even though he had in mind, Mary, I don't know that we can be together, and I think I'm going to have to divorce, and he's struggling, but even in all of that hurt and woundedness, he still didn't want to disgrace publicly Mary in front of other people. Boy, the Lord hit me with that the other day. Because there's been times in my life I did not do that well. There's been times in my life where I was living by eye for an eye, brother. You fixing to get it. <laughs> And yet the Lord said, you're no better than the lost. My way is not that. My way is different. And you know why it's higher? Because it, it, it takes an elevation in your spirit to travel on his way. And anybody can live life on, in, in, with a low bar. Down here in the muck and the mud and the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. You know, anybody can live down there. But boy, it, it takes a trust. And it takes a maturity to live life higher. His way is higher. His way is greater. And so Joseph, he's struggling with all of this in this moment. But this is what I took note of. Last thing I'll share. I took note of the section title in my Bible. I know all of our Bibles might be different. But in my Bible, there's a section title. Of course, that was not written by the authors uh, who penned these Gospels. It's written there to just help us in our study and things like that. But in my Bible, the section title of Matthew chapter 1 says this. It says, Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. That's what the title says. But you and I just talked about the fact that there is no better illustration of what is God's way than Jesus. Jesus is God's way. So truth be told, that title in my Bible could read, Joseph accepts 
God's way. He accepted God's way. And think about everything after that moment that transpired and Jesus growing up. Somebody had to raise him. Somebody had to raise this young man, Jesus. And Joseph for a second there was thinking, well, it ain't going to be me. I'm not getting, but, but, but yet Joseph accepted God's way. Put his own way and his own plans to the side and stepped into what the Lord had for him. Think about all that transpired after that moment. Jesus goes on, he grows up, has a miracle working ministry uh, just all, all over Judea, Capernaum, Nazareth, just ministering to people. Obviously goes to die on a cross, raises again from the dead, inspires these disciples, these apostles who go out and spread the gospel to the far corners. Think of everything that happened all because one man accepted God's way. Who in your future, I'm talking children and grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and people in your future lineage that you will never even have the chance to hold and hug and see grow, who will be a, a, the, the benefactor, who, who will receive the Lord's blessing and see the favor of God in their life and in their family all because you and I decide to accept God's way? Are we out of time? Can I share something? This is personal. This isn't even in my notes. It's going to make me cry, so just give me a second. My grandfather, on my mom's side, he's gone to be with the Lord now. But in the early days of his life, he was not a nice man. Abuse of all kinds towards my mom and her sister. Cheated on my grandmother more times than we could count. Matter of fact... He was on his way back from an affair when he got into a massive car accident with an 18-wheeler which left him partially paralyzed in his back. And when I was young, I was probably three or four years old, from that day on, he spent the rest of his life with a steel rod in his back, barely able to move. He slept the rest of his life in a recliner because it was too painful to even sleep in a bed. Did not start out as a man doing a whole lot God's way. But sitting in that chair for all those years, he began to be a man of the word, study God's word, end up being just in his later days an amazing man of prayer. He gave, he gave money. He was wealthy in his own right, and he gave more money to just TV ministers and preachers. He was just writing checks. If anybody did a telethon, my papa was on the phone just sowing money, just sowing money into kingdom stuff. I'll never forget it was... A couple years before he died, he wanted to be baptized, but he was a big old boy. Papa was an All-American linebacker in his day, and, and he, he just was a big man, big, big man, and he wanted to be baptized. And so my dad and I, we were both in ministry at that point. We drove to Spartanburg, South Carolina, where my grandfather lived. And we put this old man in a tub, sitting in a chair, in a garden tub of his bathroom. He's just an old guy. He didn't know it, but he's only a couple ways from seeing, a couple years away from seeing Jesus. And we just began to take water in jugs, and we just poured it over his head. We baptized him that day, and as that water just flowed over him, he just began to speak in tongues for the very first time. As the Holy Spirit just filled a bathroom. You know, all those years ago, though, when my papa was not being faithful, my grandmother knew it, and she stood beside him. 
It was many moments of difficulty where she had every right to biblically walk away, start something new. But I'm here to tell you, church, every, every chance and every opportunity you have to walk away is another opportunity for forgiveness. I understand there's a lot of different scenarios and circumstances, but my grandmother, she stuck with him for all of those years. And eventually Papa got around too to great moments of repentance. And he yielded in his final days to the Lord and he decided to do things God's way. And he became the best and biggest prayer warrior for our family. And he had this list that he would go through every single day. And he would by name lift up every single person in our family tree. He would pray for Israel. He'd pray just, this list was like pages long and he would do it every single morning because he's just sitting in a chair by himself. He has nowhere to go. When Papa died, I remember thinking that was the thing that I felt was gonna be the biggest void is that I was, every single day, moments when I even forgot or wasn't even paying attention, there was someone who was waking up for me every morning at 5 a.m. and bringing my name before the throne room of God. And when he died, I thought, man, I'm, I'm, I'm losing that, you know, I'm not gonna have that anymore. But I look at our family and how things have transpired and other cousins who have come to the Lord, and I just thank, I just thank God because there was an old man, even late in life, who decided to yield to God's way. And I know that our family and our future and the legacy that we have moving forward is gonna be different. It had every potential to go a whole different direction of woundedness and hurt and bitterness. We could have turned it easily into a family that wanted nothing to do with God's house, church, none of it. It could have got really, really dark really, really fast. But I'm just so thankful for God's goodness and his faithfulness, that he is relentless in his pursuit of people and I'm thankful that my papa, even late in life, decided to yield to the Lord's way. All that to say, my family is different because someone decided to do life God's way. And I know I'm probably preaching to a lot of the choir today. People say, I mean, you're in church on a Sunday and you love God, you know. But, but who might benefit greatly in the future of your family tree because you and your spouse and your children decide, you know what? We're gonna do life God's way. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Even as clever as I think I am and as good of a planner and a strategist and as I think I am and oh, I could, this and that and retirement plans and this and this, on your best day, you're not as good as his way. Simple message as we get ready to close out the year. But I just wanted to encourage you with that word today. So here's what I would say. Here's the takeaway. Every intersection of life that you find yourself in, my prayer for you is that you would as often as you can go back to the word of God and you would ask yourself, Lord, what is your way in regards to this, whatever this is? What is your way? And when he is faithful to reveal it to you, because he will be, he's not trying to hide stuff from us. When he is faithful to reveal it, my prayer is this, that we would in that moment become fiercely obedient to whatever he shows us and whatever his word is and whatever his way is. And you can put your head on the pillow that night, you make that decision knowing that there is a reward and there is a blessing and there is a favor and there is a protection and there is a longevity that is coupled with his way. Amen.
Father, we thank you for your word today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have swept through every aisle and every row of this great church. I thank you that this, just, just the leadership of this house is proof of what submitting yourself to God's way can do for a family legacy. Lord, I pray it would be the same in all of our households. Some of us have been the recipients of grandmothers and grandfathers and great-grandmothers and great-grandfathers who decided a long, long time ago to do life God's way, and we've received blessings because of it. But Lord, if we're in the house and we're the first generation to make that decision, Lord, I pray people in here today would make it with boldness and with courage. That they would say, you know what, we're not going to live life our own because we're not that talented and we're not that good and we're not that clever. We're going to yield to the Lord from this day on. God's ways are in God's word and we will go to his word and we will read and we will consume it and we will be obedient to it. It will cost us friends, yes. It will cost us things at times. Discipleship can cost a lot. But Lord, we want to please one person and one person only. And at the end of it all, we want to see you face to face and for you to utter those amazing words, well done, good and faithful. So Lord, we just say right now, I can't do it for you, but even under your breath or in your own spirit, just say, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, I take my will and my way, I cast it to the side. Lord, I receive your will, your plans, your way for my life. It is far greater. It is far better than anything I've ever drawn up on my own. Lord, I repent from days in the past when I thought I had a better way, when I thought I could do it without you, when I thought I was creative enough to plan for the future and to plan ahead. Lord, I realize now you are master. You are creator. You are higher. You are greater. And so, Lord, we're grateful for your word. Holy Spirit, minister to these awesome people here at Heartland Church. And I just pray this Christmas season, as they have amazing Christmas Eve services, that the Holy Spirit, Lord, you would settle in this house. As I have already felt this morning, and even in a greater measure to close this year into next year, that there would be such an immense favor and outpouring of the Holy Spirit on this house that this city and the nation would take notice of what you are doing here in the heartland of America. Lord, we are grateful to spend these moments in your presence today and to study your word in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. 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 We love you. Thank you, church. What a great word. You received that today? I want you to stand on your feet with me all over this room. I want to say something that I was thinking about. Some of you in this room today, God's way has revealed itself in, let's just be honest, a way that's been very difficult. And you found yourself in a season or walking through something, and you know that that it's part of God's plan for your life, but let's just be honest, not every part of God's plan do you see clearly and do you always want. I thought about that illustration that Clay just shared about Joseph. I'm sure that when Joseph was standing there in the moment and God was speaking to him about 
becoming this child's father, it did not feel like the best way. It probably didn't feel like the way that he would have planned it. But if he could have seen what God saw, maybe he would have known. And I just, maybe I just want to encourage you today with that thought today that, that you don't see everything that God sees right now. And if it doesn't look good, then I want you to know that God's not done. And he's still for you and he's still fighting with you. And next week as we roll into the Christmas season, I'm going to talk a little bit about what do we do in seasons of our life where we feel like we're facing darkness. We feel like we're alone and we need the light. You know, Christmas is all about the light of the season. In fact, I'm going to share with you four different times in Scripture where the angels or someone said to someone around the Christmas story, do not be afraid. <laughs> That's because in the middle of the Christmas season, there was a lot of people that were fearful, and maybe you're fearful about this next season of your life. I just want to address that. And so I really love this because it flows right into what we're going to talk about next week. And so I hope that you'll be here on Christmas Eve for our services as we continue to talk about this. Thank you, Pastor Clay, for coming and your vulnerability and sharing. And just really appreciate you and your heart. Love him so much. Well, listen, this is uh, the giving portion of our service, but we don't do it in person. We're not passing buckets. So if you want to give, you can give in the hallways today. There are uh, drop boxes offering envelopes, especially in the bottom section. There are also the drop boxes there. There are different ways that you can give. Thank you so much for being faithful to God in this area of your life. I want to say this in advance. Uh, I'm not ready to tell you the number yet because we still have people who are giving. In fact, today, uh, many people have given their legacy offerings but I'm just going to tell you, it's amazing in advance. And I can't wait to share with you what this church has done and the impact that we're going to make, which is, sounds loaded because I'm not going to tell you today, so it sort of stinks. But it's awesome, okay? So when I do share it, it's going to be good. <laughs> that's, that's the worst thing to do to people. I'm sorry. But I just want to say thank you in advance. And so if you haven't given, you're a part of this church. You're part of our family. I want My goal is every, every family participating in some way. If you haven't done it, do it today. Do it over the next couple of weeks. Do it at the beginning of January as you get your bonus. And some of you have said that. I'm going to get my bonus and I'm going to give. And that way this church has responded already massively. So thank you in advance for giving in the legacy offering to help so many, just like yesterday. And hopefully you've determined by now that this is good soil. Uh, that you can give to and that it'll go out of this house and be a blessing to others. So we love you. We're going to worship the way we came in today uh, in just a moment, but I do want to tell you that part of God's way is through baptism. Maybe you've not made a decision to be water baptized in your life. You've never had a meaningful baptism baptism experience today. You can do that. Paul and Don are standing in our hallway today. They're over our baptisms here at our church. And out there's a table out in the lobby today in front of the fountain. They'd love to either help you with the spontaneous baptism today. We've got literally everything that you need to be water baptized, or you can plan your baptism. We tell people around here that water baptism is a public declaration of a private decision that you make to follow Jesus as Lord. So if you want to do that today, you can talk to them. There's more information about that. We'd love to help you uh, be water baptized and make that decision. Jesus commanded it, so do it God's way. And uh, we're going to just challenge you in that way, all right? So our team's coming today. We're going to sing you out of here. Let me just pray for you. If I'm not going to see you uh, before the end of the year, or you're about to be a family or whatever it is, 
I love you. I pray that it's a great time. We're binding sickness in the name of Jesus over your family in this time. We're just praying a great Christmas. We hope that you have a great time. Father, I pray for every family here today. I pray your blessing on them. As they close out this Christmas season, Lord, and as they close out a year, I pray, Lord, that you'd protect their heart. I pray for their family. I pray that you'd be close to them right now. Those who are in the middle of a very difficult season, I pray the grace and the strength of the Holy Spirit around them. Those who find themselves in a great place right now, I pray your blessing. Lord, walk with every family. We bind back sickness right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray your traveling mercy on every family who's gone. Be with them now. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. I love you, Heartland. Have a great Sunday. God bless you. And we'll see you Friday or Saturday for Christmas Eve at Heartland.